4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, and we'll get started. Um, it's been really fun to, uh, I guess not fun, it's been good to analyze uh, ourselves as we go through uh, this book, this letter to the Church of Corinth. Um, Paul is, of course, there to address needs. Uh, this book is a bit of a correction book. Um, the, the Christians in Corinth, although absolutely Christians, had let the world slip in and it was derailing the good things God wanted to do. And it was uh, setting up, it was a major zone of pride. Pride was going unchecked. And so it became like who had more pride than the next person. And it had caused like I said, major divisions, major schisms, major, um, just the church was not healthy in that sense. We'll see it, of course, with all those things, also here comes sin, and sin was running rampant in uh, this church in Corinth. But uh, Paul was appealing to them, and we're actually going to see today, um, as a father to the church. He was there to like, man, I want you guys to get this because I love you. I, I need you to see this. I want you to open your eyes. I need to shake you out of this so you can see what's going on. And while you're really being ripped off, and that's kind of the idea of sin is we think sin is like, uh, it's like the fun things that God doesn't want us to do, you know, like, because otherwise we'll be disciplined or whatever. And you find out, yeah, my parents never play, let me play in the street, you know? And you're like, so you don't get hit by a car, you know? There's some real benefits. I know it's so fun to play where you're not supposed to play. I get that. But there's real reasons why. And, and for them, sin had not just become a thing where they, they were like dabbling or whatever. Or they made mistakes sometimes. But it, was, it had become part of their culture. And it was strangling and ripping off the good things that God was doing in their midst. Because they were actually a church with uh, really good stuff happening. There was a lot really going on there that was really good and positive. And um, it, unfortunately, it, had, it was being derailed by these things. So Paul is addressing them straightforward. And so here we go. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time. We pray that you'd speak to us this morning by your word and by your spirit, that you'd fill us, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, to understand what you're trying to show us. And we uh, just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter four, verse one. He says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. He's really what Paul's uh, going to be addressing here is his, his authority and his position to the church of Corinth. Because in the chapters before, they talked about, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Jesus. Division, I'm, of, I'm this person, I'm that person. And so they kind of had like limited who Paul was. Like, you might be down with Paul, but just so you know, Apollos is a way better speaker. We like him more. It become kind of like consumery feeling Kind of like church in America, I guess, right? This guy's not very funny. I don't like him, you know. I don't like the way he talks. There's something about the way he says S's. I can't stand it, you know. I'm not going to that church. The worship was way too loud and too quiet at the same time. It bothered me, you know. Like, this is what we have. And so they had started to pick apart, well, I'm not really of Paul because Paul's like a little too blunt, to be honest. And I don't know, something about him that's just, I don't want to look at him. I don't know. And we got Apollos, man, he's, you know, he's a great speaker, but the other people are like, no, I'm with Paul. He's hardcore, man. That's my guy. You know, I'm of Apollos. He speaks so well. I'm of Cephas. He's, you know, he's a pretty crazy guy. And I feel like I can appeal to that. Peter seemed to understand what it was like to be a man, you know, 
Um, of Jesus, yeah, okay, yeah, we're all of Jesus, we get it, you know. But Paul's appealing to him, he's like, consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. He's saying, if you want to see what an apostle looks like, what a disciple of Jesus looks like, they are both servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So humble in position before Christ, like I am a servant of him, like I'm nobody in and of myself. But in that position of being a servant of him, I've been given the mystery of God, the message. And so I have authority in that message, but my authority is only because of the fact that I'm a servant to God, right? Like you didn't take it too far and be like, hey, look, I got authority. You all need to listen up, straighten up. You know, Paul has spoken, you know. His whole mindset, his thinking was still... Uh, based around knowing he was a servant of Christ. He says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. This is where like the whole like, well, I found the person that's, or the church that's perfect because it's just, it's just a nonstop thrill ride, you know? Like, okay, cool, that's good. And I'm all about like it not being boring for no reason. I, that's bad preaching you know like you should be excited about this right the good news it's called the good news not like the melancholy news or like the bland news you know uh yeah so jesus died for your sins i don't know i guess that means something you know what does that mean you're like new in christ but what's the most important part is is that those who are in leadership are stewards and they're faithful like what God has given you, you're faithful to operate in God's power, in God's plan, to do, do what he's called you to do. It's, your job is not to be an expert marketer, not to be an expert fundraiser, not to be an expert entertainer, but your job is to be stewards of the mystery of God, to equip people, to encourage people to bring them closer to Jesus, to be found faithful in what you've been called to do. Sometimes it's easy, it's easy to take influence and to abuse influence, right? I mean, we see that over and over again. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul's saying like, I know you guys have been talking about me, but I don't care just so you know. Like, it doesn't bother me. And this is a man who is absolutely secure in who he is, right? It's, if you know who you are, you don't really care if people criticize that, like, because you know who you are. Like, I, you, I don't need to be like you. Matter of fact, I don't want to be like you. I'm cool with, like, being who I am and, and that being different than you. And sure, you're better at some things than I am. And, you know, I, and I'm better than you at some, that's fine. It's good. But Paul is even deeper. He's like, he knows who he is in Christ. So all of these things that might make him insecure or, oh man, they're talking bad about me. Oh no, what am I gonna do? No, he's just like, I don't care what you guys say because all I care about is what I'm supposed to do. I answer to God and I can't worry about everything else. So imagine if the apostle Paul like cared about what every single person said about him you know, all, all across the board because he planted so many churches. By the way, the more things you're involved in doing, the more chances there are for criticism, right? If you just don't do anything, no one's going to criticize you. Well, maybe they will. They'll say, you don't do anything. 
But the more you do, the more you get criticized, right? Like you watch a YouTube video. How many dislikes are there? You're like, this is crazy. Why are you disliking this? I have no idea. It's baby's first steps. You know, we've talked about this before. You know, I just thought I'd put up this little video of my son taking his first steps. You think you're so great that your son can, can walk. My son can walk too, you know. Never said that. Just thought I'd say, put up that he walked, you know. It was kind of fun for me. I didn't know, you know. Oh, yeah, let's go, uh, you know. Here's a picture of my grandma's birthday. My grandma looks younger than your grandma. Okay, cool. That's fine. This is kind of weird, you know. There's just, like, people trolling to try and just get reactions. And the worst thing you can possibly do to people who are trolling is what? Respond to them, right? Uh, let's, I, I'm going to answer each and every person, you know. Excuse me, you know. I don't know, whatever some dumb name that you have on, on it. <laughs> and you start responding and going back and forth to this person who's not brave enough to put their face or name on anything, right? You got to be secure in knowing who you are, especially if you're in a position like that. Paul, he's like, you know what? I care about you guys. I love you. And that's going to be evident. It already is evident in the fact I spent a year and a half establishing this church here, loving on you guys, pouring into you guys. And now I'm here and there's this back talk. Just so you know, I'm not saying these things out of being insecure or being awkward or whatever, because I'm so sad about it. I just want you to know, you should not be messing with the authority that God has given me in this position. I am I, I, I absolutely, God used me. He used Apollos. Let's not turn this into something that it's not and make it into a, a, a division and schism in the church. They thought they knew better. They judged. That was like that consumer thing. They judge every little thing, you know, oh, this was this or that was that. My food came out three minutes later than I thought it would, you know, one star. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, you got to look into that. If you ever look into like Yelp reviews or something, no one has five, unless they're cheating the system. They're not all five stars. And if you look at the reasons why they don't have them, they're like, I ordered the wrong thing and it tasted terrible. And you're like, you ordered the wrong thing. You know, like that's your fault. Why did you do that? Or, you know, and I asked for a free one in return. Well, no, you weren't anyway. It's goofy stuff, right? He says, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Basically, Paul's saying like, I don't know of any gaping hole in my life right now, which is, by the way, is a big thing. He's like, I don't know of anything that I did to you guys that was wrong. How many of us can say that? I mean, we all have mistakes that we make, right? You're like, I should have handled that differently. I should have not said that. I should not allowed myself to stoop to that level. I totally fleshed out here. I messed up there. I said something I shouldn't have said. I got too hot. I, I manipulate, whatever it is, right? Paul's saying like, man, the way I treated you guys, the way I loved you guys, I honestly can't see any issue with myself. But just so you know, I don't even try and justify myself because it's not about me. I can't justify myself. This is the human condition, right? We all try and justify ourselves. Well, God can't be mad at me because I've done some good stuff. I volunteered once at charity, you know. I, I said, I waved at a lady who was crossing the street. Hi, you know, that's nice, Right? Brought in my neighbor's trash cans, you know. It's the little stuff that matters. Yeah, it's true. None of those things justify you, though. Only God justifies us, and we know that is done through Jesus. This is the mystery of God. That not He's not a God who's, who's like, come to me and, and, and please me and, and 
fulfill everything I've required of you. He says, you can't fulfill the things that you are needed to require. So I will send my son to do it for you. And then in, in doing that, you live in him and he gives you the strength to be like him. This is the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you, he, he did all of it. What other God is there in, in history? And what kind of human mind could come up with a God like that? Or would want, would want to? It's so far-fetched from our selfish mind to come up with something like that. And yet, it's the most offensive thing to the world because it says, you are not God. You can't do it. You can't justify yourself. You can't be good enough yourself. It's a free gift, but you have to receive it. You have to acknowledge that you need it. And that's like always the starting point, no matter where you're coming from. That's the starting point. Like, I recognize my need for Jesus. And in, in that, that is the starting point. Step one, and from there on, it's just don't screw it up. Let him do it. <laughs> let him come in and just let him fully infiltrate your life and change you from the inside out. But Paul's saying, like, I'm not, I can't justify myself. He judges me, is the Lord. And this is, again, it's not a Tupac thing. Only God could judge me, all right? It's, that's not what this is about. He's just saying, like, I can't even see it all myself. Verse 5, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. There will be a time where everything is burned away and it will all be revealed where everybody was at. I think we get a glimpse of that in, in this life. You kind of find out sometimes the things that you've been building with are, it's like the to total three little pig situation, right? Like I built my house out of straw. It, it went up real fast. Everything looked great on the outside. And then the, the wolf came and just blew it down. And you're just sitting there like, oh no, <laughs> my straw house and, or sticks or whatever. And, and you found out that the things that you laid or, or, you know, in a more biblical manner, I guess three little pigs wasn't actually in the Bible. Um, that's biblical, right? You know, that's, that's in the good book, a little different. Um, it's building your house on the rock, not on the sand, you know? You find out your foundation wasn't what you thought it was. And, and what's left is when the storms come, ruins. It's a major issue. It's, it's not good. Things move. Things change. Things shake up. And there you go. When we lived in Vista, the house we lived at had a bad foundation. And uh, we didn't know that when we moved in. We should have known. There's cracks all over the walls, right? They're all patched. And they're still cracking. You're like, this is... Something's moving here. And then we really started to notice when you open the garage door and you couldn't open it. You're like, this is pretty bad. You know, you have to use a crowbar to like get it so you can open it and close it. And, and you're like using your key. And I'm like the master of, of not fixing something, of just like figuring out a way out, you know. Like, oh, my CD player is kind of broken. So I will just bring tweezers with me to make it come out. And all my CDs are scratched, you know, because you're using tweezers to pull them out. And you're like, oh, it works. Perfect, you know. Well, you know, my phone, I, actually, this happened this week. My phone, I, I couldn't get the uh, charger to stay in. 
there's like lint in there, right? And have you ever had to do that where you dig it out? There's like lint in there and it won't go in. And I'm just like, I've become all creative and I have it like, here's my station. And it's like propped up against something that'll hold it at the exact right angle. And then I remembered, why don't I just clean out the, the thing? You know, I, cause I'll just, I'll just keep on living like this, I guess. There are, the house we were living in was like that. And the foundation slowly was getting worse and worse. And you're like, you're hearing about this earthquake that was supposed to happen like two years ago. Um, and you're like, that sounds bad because our house is cracked and the foundation's going like this. You know, I can see the kitchen floor moving basically. And you recognize that the, whatever time was saved in the whole process or money was saved and not making sure that the dirt was exactly right and moving out the clay to put in the right stuff was not worth it in the end because this house now was cracking and slanting and we want to make sure we build on the right stuff, right? Because that is what comes out in the end. And that is a, if we can see that on this side of eternity or standing before the Lord, if we can see that that the things that we've been building toward are nothing but like up in flames, burned up, that is a blessing for you. Because you know to stop building in it, right? And we've all kind of seen that before, right? Where you go, man, that was something I cared about. That was something I, I was investing in and it was just of nothing. It all burned up. It all went away. Everything I thought was important was nothing. But there will be a time uh, when the Lord comes and he'll bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Like it's got to be about your heart and Christianity and following Jesus is all about where is your heart really at? Because we know legalism is doing the right things for the wrong reasons, with the wrong mindset, with the wrong heart, to look good, but to not be good. But the man whose heart is changed and, and really believes the things that they say they believe, that is, a, that is where the fruit comes from, the spirit of God living inside you, producing fruit. Now these things, brethren, I figuratively transfer to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. He's like saying, I want you guys to look at Apollos and I, because obviously this is a big deal. We know Paul established this church. We also know Apollos was around. Um, and in first time we see Apollos, he's preaching about who? John the Baptist, right? He's talking about John the Baptist, and um, we have uh, this beautiful couple, Priscilla and Aquila, bring them in, and they're like, hey, man, that's not all. You want to know? There's more to it than that, right? And he was this beautiful orator. I think he had a way with words, and, and they, but they brought him in, and he was humble. He received that, and he became a very important part of the church in Corinth. He's like saying, but I want you guys to know what the life of Paul and Apollos really look like so you don't think that it's something other than it is he says this he says for who makes you differ from one another and what do you have that you did not receive now if you did indeed receive it why do you boast as if you had not received it this is really good this starts getting into like real heart of the issue stuff and this is where pride starts getting like smashed so he said, who is it that makes you differ from one another? Was it you inside your mother's womb who said, I'm just going to be the best at this, you know? I, I'm going to be coordinated. I'm going to be good at working with my hands. I'm going to be, this is, I'm going to be intelligent. 
I believe it. I will speak it into existence in the womb. You know, when babies come out, they're just like, what? You know, that's not, there's not like, I remember thinking like, this might think this is funny, but I remember thinking like with Cannon when he was in, that's my oldest, and he was, you know, in Tori's stomach. I was thinking that he can hear us talking. I wonder if he like is picking up on stuff. It's like, and then as soon as they come out, you're like, nope, nope, you didn't. You didn't know anything, you know? You knew my voice. That's it, you know? That's all you knew. But you're thinking, oh, be careful, you know, what you say around the baby, you know? Right. It wasn't that far, but you know what I mean? You get thinking, what do they know in there? What do they see in there? Um, they're just hanging out, like, growing. So, um, But he's saying, like, who, for who makes you differ from one another? Who made you like you are? And what do you have that you did not receive? Who gives you the ability to do anything. It's nothing like a sickness to like show you who's boss. You can't do anything of yourself, you know, or an injury, right? It's amazing how fast everything changes. I remember one time playing rugby and twisting my knee up pretty good. I didn't have health insurance, so I kind of just did the, the bro doctor. I like went back to my old like football uh, uh, trainer. Hey man, is that a blown out MCL? And he's like, I don't know. Like, just uh, don't run on it for a year. Okay, you know. But it was very dramatic how much my life had changed. We used to take this piano and it, the church I was at, take it on and off the stage. And imagine trying to do that with a maybe torn MCL, you know. My life changed dramatically. All the things that I, like, oh, I don't need help doing anything. I'll just pick this up and I'll do this and I'll, you know, this is what I can do. And all of a sudden, the, the strengths you had, which were like, at that point, strength was gone. I could no longer do those things. And I felt like, what am I then? You know, if I'm not that, what am I? If I can't play sports, what kind of an existence am I going to live? You know, this is kind of weird. This is my identity and it's all tied up in all this stuff. But you realize like you are really not in control of yourself at all. People that are in the hospital, there's a lot of people there that the day before had no idea they would be there. And they couldn't just kind of tough it out and will it out. It's just this, we are not in control of ourselves. So the day you have is a gift. The ability you have is a gift. The health you have is a gift. And you never know when that might go away. So who are you to brag or to think you're, I mean, I'm speaking to myself here too, right? I'm competitive. I like competition. I like, you're better than me, but I want to be better than you. So let's compete and that's fine in its setting, but in the church, no place for it. Because there's nothing that you've been given that you did not receive. Now, he says, now, let's figure this out. You received it. Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? As if this great ability that you've been given is something you came up with. You ever see people who are like just great artists? And you're like, how do you do it, you know? Like, they're so simple for them. And, and our kids will follow, like, YouTube, like, artists, you know, like, kids drawing for kids. And the guy's just like, oh, here you go. You just, and then, and they're all one motion, beautiful. I cannot draw a circle to save my life. It is always bad. A circle is always bad for me. And they're just like, mm, here you go. And maybe I'll just do this. And, and you do it. 
oh, this looks fun, and I'm doing it, and I'm, like, crumpling it up before my kids could see it. Like, I don't need my kids looking down on me like that. Like, that, yeah, that's my dad. I used to think he was my hero. Then I saw his, his art. <laughs> so who do you think you are? Like, what do you think you received? No, it's a gift. He's really breaking down the ridiculousness of pride. Like, what, how do you, who do you think you are? How could you think you've done anything to deserve anything? And he says, you are, all, and this is, he's speaking sarcastically here. So people say there's no sarcasm in the Bible. No, read Paul. He's actually pretty sarcastic sometimes. But I think he's not saying it to be a jerk. He's saying it to wake them up. He says, you are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish that you did reign, that we might also reign with you. What Paul's saying is that your idea of leadership is very different than ours. And the experience that you guys are experiencing looks very different than what we're experiencing. And he says, uh, verse 9, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles last, as men condemned to death. You guys are kings. We're men condemned to death. You think about a parade, who comes through, who's the, you know, here comes the king. Those condemned to death, do you think that they're like part of that? And he says, we're condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle of the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. You many times Paul was probably called a fool? Remember what he left behind? The most prideful position he could possibly be in? Where they had it all worked out? And he was at the top of the food chain. We've been called fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. You guys are experiencing something very different than what we are. You're living high on the, you think that this is what it's all about. Think, tell, you know, tell evangelists here, okay? It's like, oh, if just, you know, God will put it on your heart for a mercy gift. And you're like, okay, you know. I need another jet. The other one's getting old, man. <laughs> I was talking about my Rolflex last week, you know, or people getting Rolflexes and my Oki glasses. These, they got the real thing, you know. Living like kings. He's saying, if you are a follower of Christ, your life is going to have challenges. There's going to be things that are challenging, and it's going to be Humbling, because what is a Christian? What is the definition of a Christian? A follower of Christ. What did Christ live like? Like this. He was, he was called a fool. He, was, he had nowhere to lay his head. He was a servant of all. You want to be like Jesus, that's what it looks like. You're trying to be like, like God in heaven, Right? I want, to, I want to be on my throne, man. Jesus, no, you are like Christ. Like Jesus, this is how we're supposed to live. Christ followers and, his, and the apostles followed in that tradition and that experience. He said, to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. This is heavy. We labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure. The idea of working with your own hands was something that they would call slave labor, right, in the Greek world. And it was not something that they would be proud of. Paul's like, I'm making tents. I'm doing whatever I got to do, you know. 
but you guys have made this into something it shouldn't be. He says, being defamed, we entreat. Uh, we have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scouring of all things until now. Like, he's really driving home that, that point. But in verse 14, he says, For I do not write these things to you to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. I need you guys to see this. I think that there's uh, never a, a shortage of need in us to, like, analyze or be called out or to be able to see our own pride. It's something that it's so dangerous because we can't see it ourselves very often, right? You can see it in other people, and you can judge it in other people. They're just so prideful. They're arrogant, they're this, they're that. And, and as you judge them and you tell them how terrible they are and how great you are and pride. <laughs> pride is, it's, it's so hypnotizing because it makes you feel better about yourself and, and like you have a purpose and you have a point and you have all of this and that and you feel in control of situations and, but it's a killer. And so Paul's like saying, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but I'm, I'm using this, this kind of language to like shake you up so you can see how far off this is. This isn't even close. Are we worshiping the same God? Yes, we are. But you guys are, are taking advantage of it and you've made it into something it's not. You've taken what you want to take, you've left the rest, and you look nothing like us. And I'm sure that's partially why they wrote them out. Yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who builds tents, but he's a little extreme and he's a little much. And why don't you come on over here and we'll start working on your uh, 401k and get it all dialed for you, you know. And it's important, like, I was just, I was even thinking, as I'm reading this, I'm like, which one am I more like? I'm, I'm, my, I'm not, like, poorly clothed and beaten, right now you know you might think I'm poorly clothed but you know I'm comfortable in this you know <laughs> and I'm not on the street I'm not homeless you know and that that's the thing you gotta think in your own mind like it's so easy to be like all these Corinthians you're like all whoa <laughs> where are you what are you doing are you selfless in this or do you take gain in this where are you at mentally on all of this stuff? And, and how much has the world influenced you and the, the things out there influenced you? The church has been so radically influenced by the world. I don't think we can even, it's uh, so hard to estimate how prevalent it is, how much it's filled up pulpits. We've completely gone to secular marketing Secular, it's like you start a church, it's a startup, right? <laughs> it's exactly the same. Like the mindsets of so many that are, this isn't everyone, but that, it's become a, that thing. And it's, it's kind of like disgusting when you think about that, right? God uses it and he works through the midst of it. But we got to call ourselves out to the mat and be like, man, where am I at? Where am I at? Not like, oh, I could think of some people this applies to. And I'm going to tell them about it. And it's going to be good. I'm going to be Paul. I'm going to be sarcastic even. It's biblical. Pastor said so. I get it, you know. But it's like, where are you at? Where is your mindset at? Is it about you or is it about Jesus? Is it about following him? Pride is so dangerous, man. So if, if someone has the guts to bring something up to you, which is really hard and they need to do it right and well, and, or if something's revealed to you, take it seriously because that thing is poison to you. 
it will continue to grow and it will continue to rob you. If there's something that, that God's spoken to you or there's something in God's word that you resist, that is pride. There you go right there. You don't have to look any further. You might not know it's pride, but God reveals something to you and you go, yeah, but, but, but I just won't read that anymore. This is uncomfortable. This is pride and it's keeping you from good things. That's the whole point of here. Paul says, kind of going on with that whole, you know, that he, he says to them, like, you're my children, I warn you. Verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Man, just to back it up, remember Paul started this letter with like, I love you guys. There is so many good things happening. I know that God has a good plan for you. I know that he's doing stuff in you. There's so many admirable things. He just laid them out for a minute, like laid them out, <laughs> like full on just a thorough uh, undressing or whatever you would call it. You know where they just go, you're like sitting there like, Ugh. and he's like, I'm telling you this because remember, I love you and you need to know this. You've got to get this. I actually was dealing with that with my, uh, one of my kids. I'm not going to mention their names because they're getting older. And I, one of them, Tori was listening to the podcast and I heard, I was talking about Canon and it was Violet up there and she's probably like, oh, Canon did that. Oh yeah. You know, she's probably feeling good about that, which I just said some names right now. So they might hear that. Um, but I was just like trying to get the picture of like, it's so in us to be selfish, but to, 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 shock this person into seeing it's not about you like do you understand that that thinking is only about you only you and it was it was cool because there was actually a realization of it like no no I will help because this was this was it it's like can you help me clean up the garage we just washed all the bikes and we just got everything dialed and why I didn't take any of this out we, you wanted me to help you wash your bike you know you, you sure used it you're right don't don't worry about it. I got it. You just don't worry about it. You had nothing to do with any of this. I understand. You had no part in this. It's just, just for you to take the good parts, but not the bad parts, right? No. Oh, no. Yeah, I'll help. Okay. Whoa, that was good. I was thinking I laid it on a little thick, but then it works. So I'm going to use it forever now. Um, not true. But to be able to shake you out of that, because he's like, man, you might have 10,000 instructors. There may be a bunch of people that speak into your life, but I am, I'm a father to you guys. I really care. And I have a place in your guys' life to speak into. By the way, here's another thing. Be careful who you let speak into your life. There might be a million, there are a million instructors out there. You can find someone that will tell you what you want to hear somewhere, especially, especially in the world of social media. You will, it is so easy to find someone that agrees with your position, even though it's wrong. <laughs> Leave that place for the people to tell you, like Paul, things you do not want to hear, but you absolutely should hear because he loves you and because he understands his authority and he's a good steward. A lot of people are cheap. They will sell out for anything. They'll tell you what you want to hear for nothing. They don't care. They just need you to be on their side and to, because they're all insecure about who they are. Just find someone that's like a father in the faith to you that can tell you the truth even though it's hard. And then understand that it's out of love. You need somebody to tell you that. You need somebody to be real with you. 
and encourage you to get down to the, the real thing. He says, therefore, I urge you, and this is a, a humbling statement for us to think about, uh, imitate me. <laughs> wow. Okay, Paul says, imitate me. Man, he's really like laying himself out there. He's not like, oh, just imitate Christ. He's like, imitate me. I'm, I'm following Jesus. And you can see by my example, I've taken this seriously. Perfect, no, but definitely going for it. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you on my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. I'm sending someone not just to rip you, but to like encourage you and, and to follow through and see you through this season. The, the idea is not to just be like, oh, oh, yeah, you guys are full of pride. Forget that church. Close the doors. It's just to grow through it, right? 18, he says, for uh, now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. Like, you guys think you could say whatever you want to say. That's like the, um, the keyboard gangster, right? They, like, say stuff, and they hope you never meet them in real life, you know? Like, the, that's the people who say, oh, your kid's ugly. And you, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, oh you're monkey flower 43, Nice to meet you. This is my son that you were talking about. Uh, no, 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 it's just joking around. You know, that's, that's that kind of a thing. They're puffed up thinking Paul's not going to come. But he says, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Hmm. He's like, I will come shortly to you if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. It's not about crafty speaking, but the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit is evident in those who are the real thing. We can be tricked by words, right? It's easy to be deceived. A well-placed story or something could have everybody crying or, or laughing, but the power is something different. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And he says, what do you want? And this is, this is very telling. Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? What kind of Paul do you want when I show up? <laughs> like, what, what do you need? Shall I come to you with a rod or in, in love and a spirit of gentleness? Come on, you guys, open up, wake up. You guys already have been revealed to you that you're not the, the one. That's why you've accepted the gospel. But now you're allowing these things to come back in. It's kind of like the opposite of like the, the legalism. It's like the just freedom zone, you know? Because you got some people who are like, they're just prone to legalism and it's, and it's frustrating. And you're like, oh, you're just Mr. Do it right. And, you know, you got all these little rules and regulations. See, these kind of people, they're like, oh, we need no rules. We're just, you know, we're freestylers. We'll go like crazy. And who are you to judge us on anything? Paul's like, oh, oh no, I got something to say to you. You know, to the legalist, you aren't sufficient in yourself. To these people, you aren't sufficient in yourself. It's the same problem. You can't make your own rules. It's all about following and, and abiding in and recognizing life is found in Christ, nothing else. So it's going through some heavy stuff, but I, it brings up some things for us to think about. Like, where are you at? Where am I at? What have I allowed to come into my life that was based on pride, that is permeated and completely overtaken giant areas that that are poisonous that that little seed grows and it doesn't grow well and you alienate people you push people away one thing i know about pride is you can never get enough of it 
to feel secure, right? You always just need more. You always need to find more. You always need somebody else to tell you you're good. You always need something else to show that you're worth something because your identity is screwed up. And if your identity is not in Christ, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. You're going to find nothing but dead-end roads. Legalism, dead-end roads. Living in sin, dead-end roads. But identity is found in Christ, and we find ourselves there in that place. And we recognize that whether I'm poor or I'm rich, it doesn't matter where I'm at. As long as I'm with Christ, I am content. That's Paul. I've learned how to be a base, and I've learned how to abound. What I've learned in all seasons to be thankful, and I've learned to, to, to glorify God no matter what this comes my way. When things are great and life, you're on top of the world and when the world seems like it's literally caving in on you because your foundation is set and it's him. You've built your house on the rock, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, Jesus. So it's a good time to reflect on that. It's the first Sunday of the month, so communion. It's February. That went fast, right? Uh, but we have communion. And I, t- I would just encourage you guys uh, as we play some songs to grab the bread and the cup and take it back to your seat and spend some time with the Lord. Just to know, you know, search me and know me, O Lord. Search my heart. Know me. Like, where am I at? Just, just reveal to me the things that are, are, are not what they're supposed to be, where pride has taken root, where um, I've allowed some weird thinking of what it means to follow you, like my life's going to be perfect when I follow you, and all this kind of weird twisted mentality to, to lay it again down at his feet and just to fall in the arms of Jesus, fall more in love with him and to grow in him. So um, we'll do that. Lord, we thank you for uh, just your, your word, God, uh, the fact that it doesn't just let us hang ourselves with our own rope, Lord, that you uh, want to encourage us.